0: Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Amy was born and raised in the Texas Panhandle as a farmer and rancher's daughter. But you'd never know it if you saw her in four-inch spike heels and an evening jacket covered in sequins. That girl does love her bling. Amy says she learned to be all things to all people because in a small town you have nothing if not one another which makes her sound like she has a lot of talents, which she does, but maybe also a people pleaser, which she's not. It means she's versatile, flexible, creative, and has a way of being able to see all sides. Even more impressive, she has a wonderful way of persuading you to see things the way she sees them and then dazzles you with the results. Her powers of persuasion are useful in her position as the women's pastor of a large Dallas area church. She's an author, a teacher, a resourceful Zoom meeting facilitator, which proved incredibly useful during the pandemic. She's an amazing party planner and has been known to persuade a lot of volunteers to do all kinds of things to make those events sparkle. Amy earned her undergrad degree at Texas Tech and her master's at Dallas Theological Seminary. She's married to Joel, who's a pilot, and she's mother to Kate, who is a nine-year-old. Amy says she's not one of a kind, but one of one, and probably takes after her mother. Amy, I see you as smart, funny, passionate, joyful, and playful. How do you see yourself? Well,
1: I would say you just told me a lot of things about myself that I had never really put into words until you just read them off, and I would say I I see myself as smart and playful. Um, I think the last 2 years I have not been near as playful as I wanted. And so it's a good little reminder to inject some of that into my everyday. (laughs) It is in you. (laughs) And it comes out in so many beautiful ways. Well, thank you. Your intro was um, just, yeah. Thank you, Kit, for that. That um, was very kind and encouraging. And so I appreciate that. Well, that's how I see you. So how do you see yourself? (sighs) You know, that probably, um, is today's answer is different than an answer six months ago. Even it has been, I think most of us in this season, in this world, uh, where we are, we would say we have learned a lot. We have succeeded a lot. We have failed a lot in the last year or two and finding myself in that place, um, Six months ago, I was starting this brand new position. And in just the last few months, working with a leadership coach, going to counseling every week with a phenomenal counselor, doing really hard work about past relational situations. um, I find right now that I see myself um, as someone who is passionate about truth, capital T truth, and I want to see people unleashed from um, something that has been false that they have been carrying their whole lives. I see a lot of people carry tradition or the way it used to be or what's expected of them. And um, my burden, my passion that I carry from my daughter to the women that I serve at our church is to see them released into truth of who they truly are, not who people expect them to be, but who God created them to be and who they are released to be. And so I see myself as a a carrier of that, of wanting to help others do that. Even, even teaching my nine-year-old last night, the difference between conflict and a fight. And that was a big Mm -hmm. deal for us Mm -hmm. to both learn that together. And so I think once we I'm just really passionate about that. So that's kind of who I am. I like to have fun. Um, I like to lots of things Um, fly by the seat of my pants. I'm currently (laughs) planning. I'm trying to talk my husband into spending spring break in Alaska. So, you know, I just like to do what's not normal and I like to do what's out of the box and keep people on their toes a little bit. (laughs)
0: That's one of the things I love about you. Well, um, (laughs) why are you so passionate about truth? It seems like that comes from a deep personal well um, Mm -hmm. that maybe perhaps you had believed some lies and you are being freed from those. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Um,
1: Growing up, I grew up in a conservative Southern Baptist home and was taught the scriptures, Um, was taught to memorize scripture, um, was taught to go to church, was taught to live the right way. Something that I made the mistake of was I just believed what people told me just because it was told to me. I didn't believe it because I had explored it on my own. Um, I didn't, I didn't, ingest any of it 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 i would learn something and it would come to the top of my brain and i would carry it around in the top of my brain but it would never seep down into the core of who i was and so for a long time um uh my life was all about just behavior modification and and i wouldn't say necessarily it was people pleasing growing up but it was doing what was expected of me it was um you know, growing up in a, in a Christian home under the Baptist doctrine and tradition, uh, yeah, really paved the way for me to just fall into line. And it was about when I was 23 and my world fell apart when um, I had gotten married at a young age and found out that I, the person I, the man I had married was, um, had basically a a different life and he was not interested in remaining married um, my outward expression my outward behavior of what doing the right thing looked like wasn't enough and I asked God like what what did I ever do to land here and it was basically clear that that I never knew God himself that I just did this um, role of who I thought I was supposed to be based on my family of origin, based on the church that I attended. And to be clear, none of this rests on blaming Baptist doctrine or my parents. Um, There's a truth in there for us that when we rely on um, anything other than God himself to be our truth and to direct us, there's going to be failure in there somewhere. It's not going to be enough. And so, relying on tradition, relying on uh, um, another person to to basically help us figure out who we're supposed to be, um, those traditions are going to change. People around us are going to change, and so if we can't even um, depend, well, there's nothing around us that's not going to change. And so it feels like we're just always being tossed about. And so we have to find that one constant. And so for me, when I found that one constant at 23 years old, and that was God himself, and, and finding out who God was, who he said I was, not who the church, my parents, my siblings, my friends, anyone else that I was, um, I began to really experience a lot of of freedom. And it was it wasn't until I hit rock bottom, until I experienced failure, that I looked around and saw that all my All my efforts and behavior, doing the right thing, trying to love people as well as I can. It just wasn't enough. And so that started a journey
0: nearly 20 years ago. Ah, and you learned from it and young the, some of these things I'm still coming to you know and uh, yes. I'm, I'm a lot older than you so um, when I think about traditions mm-hmm. and I think about how culture has changed and how all the rules have changed the things that were imposed mm-hmm. on me as young girl don't fit anymore um, no. they don't fit who I am at this stage of life and they don't fit our culture um, and when I try to impose those on my daughters they rebel as they should because those things just don't fit anymore um, and yeah. i also learned um, and Later than you, um, so lucky you. You had an opportunity to recover. I'm still kind of, yes. I guess, working through those things. But it's if true. if the people in my life could have loved me the way I needed to be loved, I never would have discovered the love of Jesus. You know, Good word. They, they just. Um, they, they were human and I, and they could probably say the same about me, but yeah. if I hadn't felt betrayed at the deepest level, I would never would have learned to lean on the love that never changes. That's always there. That wants the best for yeah. me. Um, and so I hear yeah. you saying those things as well. Well, so, that's like just this morning, I was talking on a devotional and was
1: in Matthew five. Um, and that's the beatitudes, you know, blessed are those who are more blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We wouldn't be, um, because there's they will know the kingdom of God, Um, they will be satisfied. Because when we finally see that the things of this world did not satisfy those deepest inmost desires, we can look up and look for the answer. Um, Sometimes it takes being dissatisfied by the world and failing and disappointed, just like you said. And I mean, like, that's true. And that's scriptural. Jesus said it a long time ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's so liberating once you know the truth. It really does set you free. He wasn't wrong when he yeah. said it. And so so right. grateful for the truth that um that doesn't change, even though cultural norms and traditions and relationships do, seasons in and out. You know, COVID certainly gave us some time to think about who we are and who we want to be. And, um, and a lot of things change for a whole lot of people during that time. And so to be able to have something as solid as truth to stand on um, sure. has really been, uh, has been a salvation for so many of us so yeah um so uh let's just uh this has been a hard conversation so far let's talk about something oh. fun joel's a pilot okay. so, oh. so where do you guys go for fun what are some of <laughs> your favorite places to travel conversation. you know so grow. so i'll i'll
1: make it a, i'll tie it back to the story and who i am um you know growing up as a farming family you the the wheat does not take a day off. It does not give you PTO. And so we rarely traveled growing up and not to say we were sheltered, but I mean, my hometown is a square mile with 1000 people. I had an incredible childhood. And so this is not regret. It is the way it was. Mm -hmm. Um, I treasure my childhood growing up on the farm. Um, but the thing is, is like, we didn't really get to travel unless maybe we saw that it was going to rain for a week
0: and then that's (laughs) when
1: you leave because you can't you can't work during the rain um and so as I got older you know born and raised in Texas you know Texans we don't think there's much outside of Texas and I was just pretty satisfied until I started getting a taste of what was beyond and so um gosh when Joel and I met and he was from Massachusetts and Michigan I never thought I would marry a Yankee good grief um I was just going to marry one of the salt of the earth south of the Mason Dixon people and um I did not not at all uh, and so we uh began to explore and see the world and I you know it was a lot easier to travel uh 14 years ago when we got married than it is now um, people think that being married to a pilot is so fancy because you just hop on a plane. Well, you don't hop on a plane unless you're the, unless there's a seat available. You're the last person. If anyone has spent more than one dollar on a ticket, you get on after them. So, we, um, some of the fun places. Uh, probably my favorite is we went to New Zealand for our 10th anniversary, and we got to use his travel benefits for that. And did you know New Zealand doesn't have snakes? What? <laughs> and it doesn't have snakes. Why don't
0: we all so live there?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Um, and just on those tiny islands, it has skiing and it has the beach. And so it was it was amazing. And then in central New Zealand is, uh, you know, ranching country, the sheep. I mean, they have, you know, more sheep than people. It was un believable um we have gotten to do things like um washington dc on the fourth of july i will never forget that sitting under the washington monument watching the fireworks and just different places we took our daughter when she was three we went to the or four doesn't matter um we went to the macy's thanksgiving day parade in new york and so really i love that I I think mostly what I treasure about travel is, and about Joel being a pilot, is um, our daughter gets to see the world in a different way. She gets to explore cultures and people who are different than her. And knowing that different is not wrong, different is actually really good. And it broadens our knowledge of people and cultures. And it points back to God and who he is. The more we learn about um, other cultures, other ethnicities that are different than us, the more we learn about the kingdom of God and um, all the different expressions of how God created people. And, you know, like in one, in the Western culture, how time is just, we, you know, time is so precious and we always have to be on time. And then other cultures, I've spent some time in Africa and other nonprofit jobs. I was working and time is just not an issue and you just have to shift your brain completely, but that teaches you about the, the, the patience of the Lord and his, you know, uh, just long waiting. And so I think, you know, you can just learn a lot. So I think my passion, my thing that I love so much about traveling is getting to expose, uh, Kate, our daughter to just different, different ways of life and not just know, not, <laughs> not operating out of the belief that she is the center of the universe. Um, She's an only child. And um, that may be another direction we can go kit after a long <laughs> struggle with infertility. She is an only child. And so I just, I work really hard to make sure that she's not that spoiled only child, but that she knows there is a world around her that God has created and he cares about that world. And so that's kind of um where we go, but we love I'm itching. I'm dying to get away right now, but I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> it's kind of a messy world are. right now. <laughs> I think <laughs>
0: we all are dying to get away. Or we're finding yes. new ways to just enjoy the place where we are. And both mm-hmm. of those are great things. So uh-huh. let's talk a little bit more about Kate. She's a she's a nine-year-old. That's an interesting yeah. age. Um, it sure is. <laughs> and I know <laughs> that you have enjoyed being her mother. What has uh, being Kate's mom taught you? Wow, that I'm not enough. <laughs> um, that's will... okay. You still got years and years with this girl. He's least probably yeah. you know, nine or ten still at home. Um,
1: I, I'm, yeah. Just that, she, just I can. I will never be enough for her. that um, it's taught me a lot of humility. Is, um, I mean, I think I'm pretty smart. <laughs> like, I, I think so to too. Be honest. I, I think I can. You know do some math and, um, you know, figure things out. I have a sign in my office that says, everything is figure outable. I firmly believe that between us and the Lord and, um, you, everything is not figure outable when you have a, a child. Um, it's just not, it requires dependence on a community. Um, the number of times I have said, sweetie, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Let's just pray and know that God hears and we'll get an answer sometime. I mean, that was just that there are days like that. And so it's taught me a lot of humility and, um, there is nothing. I had a friend who put it this way. It's, you know, it's like seeing your heart walk around outside of your body. Having a, a daughter is like seeing that and that's kind of what it is. And you just don't realize your capacity for love and sacrifice until you have a child. Um, there are so many times that I open my mouth and I hear two voices, either my mom's <laughs> voice or God's. And when my when I hear myself say something that my mom said to me, I go, oh, goodness. <laughs> and I laugh and it's great. And we all know what happens. And then when I say something to her, and I hear God's voice, it's going, Oh, (laughs) and both are true. And so it goes back to that, the, the humility comes from, um, just like Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, that there's nothing new under the sun. Like, I'm not going to come up with something new and creative. And so my job is really just to listen to the wisdom of the past that has been before me. And, um, to just love her as best I can, um, the, the adage that it goes, the days are sh- short, but the, nope, the days are long, but the years are short. Whew, if that's ever the truth. Um, and so we're in this really good season right now where like, we have conversations Um, To all you young moms out there, it will happen when you will sit down and have a conversation with your child and you are blown away by who they are. And that's kind of the space I'm living in. I am just blown away by her, um, by her capacity to want to, to love others and, and to, you know, be fun. And she has, she has, you made the comment about my four inch stilettos or spike heels and a sparkly jacket. Um, we have very different style and she has told me, mommy, don't step on my style. (laughs) And so the humility in that too, is learning to release her to be her own human. Wow. That is hard. Um, for someone who loves control like me, um, I have really had to learn to just release her to be her own person. And, um, that's not easy. It is not an easy thing to do. So yeah, I would say probably the two things I've learned most about being her mom is release and humility, surrender and humility. And huh how interesting that those are two things that the Lord teaches us so clearly over and over. Surrender and humility. Hmm. Interesting how he makes all of that work, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. I thought I would – I also have a daughter. I have two daughters, actually. And okay. I thought uh-huh. I was put on the earth to be their teacher. And I am amazed how often <laughs> I have been the uh, student and they have taught me the best stuff about life. So, and yes. uh, I remember thinking um, – When they first put a baby in my arms, this may be the Mm. only eternal thing I've ever done. You know, Mm. every other job I've been in, I was replaced the day I quit. Um, But not this one. Not this one. This one makes a difference for all eternity. And I'm sure, um, you know, being in ministry as you are, that we do have an eternal impact on a lot of people. But this thing, this mothering Mm -hmm. thing, there's something sacred and special about that. Well, listeners, we are going to take a break. And we'll be back in just a minute with our guest today, Amy Opperley. Hey friends i hope you are enjoying our conversation today with women's pastor amy o'perly i'm learning from her stories observations and insights and i imagine i'll still be thinking about our discussion long after we turn the mics off perhaps you're thinking of someone who would find this episode especially interesting please share it with them have you signed up for our weekly newsletter joined our facebook group or commented on our posts, tweets, or threads? Well, it's time. We'd love to hear from you. We'd also be honored if you'd leave us a great rating and review. Visit our site at nis.media for all the links and to catch up on any blogs or podcasts you may have missed, like last week's conversation with journalist Deanne Alford, author of Victorious. Please be sure to listen next week when Kathy Andrews tells us about what it's like to have brain surgery. Twice. She's a fighter, and you won't want to miss a moment of her amazing story. Now, back to our show. Well, up to this point, we've been talking with our guest today, Amy Opperly. We've been talking about her love of travel, her love of family, her love of truth, and now we're going to see where all those things converge mm-hmm. as she uh, becomes a minister to women at her church. So, Amy, uh, tell us a little bit about your journey. You haven't always been in ministry. What were you doing, <laughs> and what what was the change?
1: I have not always been in ministry. I um, at at Tech, my degree was in family financial planning. My, uh, I wanted to be in finance. And when I went to um, finance orientation, there was a professor there who said, you're too fun and people oriented to be a stuffy finance person. Have you ever heard of family financial planning? <laughs> and he was not wrong. And so uh, financial planning is, it was a small program started then that is basically um, a full snapshot of your personal finance situation. So it's your asset management, risk management, insurance, um, uh, investments, knowing your tax implications, like everything and your cash flow, your spending. So I was trained in that way to look at the full picture of somebody's financial health and then write a financial plan to help them make those changes. So after, after I graduated, I went to um, and started working doing that and was working with a financial planning firm and did that for several years. I love finance because, and I love numbers. I love numbers because they don't ask how you feel about something. (laughs) It's not um, gray. It is black and white. It's very clear. You can check an Excel spreadsheet for um, correctness and nobody, nobody questions you because it's been proven right there. So um, I love that. And um, was passionate about it and was good at it. And slowly, um, I moved. So after going through that divorce at the age of 23, I moved to Dallas. I was working here in finance. And God started speaking to me. Um, I could not get enough of scripture. And um, I was going to three churches and two Bible studies. I'm not kidding. I was, yes, that is, it, it did not last that's not um, something that you can do forever and so I did that for probably about six months and God began to um, just place on me he was like what I heard from the Lord was I'm single I am in DFW which is like the Mecca of Christian education you're in the Bible belt you have time go get educated and just I'm going to use you later Um, go get ready and that was really all I heard. It wasn't a, you're going to be a missionary. You're going to be in women's ministry. As a matter of fact, I was very anti-women's ministry because that just seemed to, um, that just seemed to fit in with somebody's expectations of me. And I love to operate out of people's expectations on purpose. So can't say that that was a real spiritual thing, but I started attending Dallas seminary just for that reason. Um, I, God was saying, it's time and so it was out of obedience not really a desire to go into ministry but out of obedience went to dallas seminary and um while i was there met joel i didn't meet joel at seminary but we met got married um, i left i was working for a couple of non oh i left finance about the time i started seminary and worked for a couple of different nonprofits. um one was um I am second in uh, E3 Partners, so working there, and then also at Harvesters Reaching the Nations, which was a a ministry, an orphanage in South Sudan, and I ran the stateside operations for them for a while. Uh, Joel and I got married. um, I finished DTS and was actually working at a corporate job back in finance again, and was really content there because I felt like I had experienced some burnout in, in ministry and nonprofit. Uh, The thing with nonprofit is you take people who are very passionate about something and they're the doers. And then since they're the doers, they get put in charge of the organization and have to be managers. And now everybody becomes visionaries and doers and managers. And yeah, so you, you can if you're not really careful you can reach burnout. So for those of you, I hear you. Set your boundaries early and clearly so that you don't end up where I did. Um and so I was working back in corporate and felt really a relief um to just kind of do my own thing. It was there that Kate was born and not <laughs> not at my job. Oh, that's good. Let's <laughs> clarify. It was it was at that time in my life when I was working corporate that um Kate was born and um, really was great. So I started back, I would graduated. I started attending uh, Bible study again. I'd gone before, took a break and started getting to know the women of IBC. Joel and I met at IBC, actually, the church where um, I work now. And so we met there. Um, so we continued to go there. And I started attending Bible study just knowing I needed community. I mean, I was a new mom at the bottom of my barrel and um really begin to connect with the women there i will say it took a couple semesters before i found a group that i really jived with but once i did it was gold um and slowly uh gosh there's this whole thing that god did connect in a miracle sort of way he connected me with with another woman who i said hey you're a pilot's wife and you work at a church and do ministry and you have kids. How do you do that? And she was like, let's go to lunch. And so that woman at lunch stopped and asked me, she said, what are your gifts? And I said, well, administration and um, hospitality. And then under my breath, I met her teaching. <laughs> and she said, what? And I was like, well, I feel like God has given me the gift of teaching, but I don't you don't just say that out loud to people. And she said, why not? And I remember she said, if you were a man, you would. And I've never forgotten that. And I was like, well, I don't know about that, but I, yeah. So she went back to the church and told the women's pastor at the time, you need to talk to this woman lady. (laughs) And so I was teaching in another class on Sunday mornings at the time. And they said, yeah, we think you're a teacher too. I was just being faithful in the small things, doing the little Joshua thing and just going with what God had given me and being faithful there and um, started using my gifts in the small places and just showing up and saying yes. And that was a time in my life where I just said yes to any kind of ministry um, opportunities. And at that point, they said, why don't you come over and start teaching on our women's team? And I was like, oh, but you, but I get sitting with women, but teaching women, do you you know about women? And because I had just all my life lived under this tradition of women being catty and jerks. And that goes back to the very first thing we talked about. Don't believe tradition because we have the most phenomenal group of women at IBC who are not that whatsoever. So, um, I taught for a while, just, I was still, um, I had worked corporate and then I quit to actually stay home with Kate for a year. There were some other personal things going on that would be a whole nother podcast um, that was in my immediate family going on. And so I actually quit my job for a year to help manage that. And then um, a position, a part-time position at IBC came open and it was planning events. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is I'm on this teaching team. I love this. You want me to throw parties about Jesus? I am so in, and this was like that all things to all people. And you're like, wait, but you were in finance and then you worked for a nonprofit and you're, and now you're going to plan parties. It's all about that. the you big
0: just... picture. You saw it. Yes.
1: And it didn't scare yes. you. No. And so I started working part-time and just stayed faithful to what had been given, um, I can take no credit for that, except the Lord kept me there. There were a lot of frustrating days. Um, one of my coworkers said to me the other day, she goes, don't you remember when you were just dying to use your gifts and you couldn't, there wasn't a place for you. And I was, and I remember those days, but I was using the gifts God had given me in the space that he had given me and was raising my daughter and, um, all of that. And just was very trusting. And through a several events that were, could have never been foreseen or planned. Um, There was just a shift in all of our leadership and in um, our women's team. And the next thing I know on June 1st of last year, I was promoted and moved to the women's pastor position and it was scary. It was so scary. I, I, I feel like the most incapable person of all. I love to have fun and laugh and goof off and tell jokes. And I need a spinny chair to sit through a meeting because sitting for an hour and being serious is just too much. And so I just thought I'm not the person for this, but God said, so I got to I got to go. And, you know, the thing for me is just that um, I read it in an Ann Voskamp uh, quote, and she said, you know, your most. Uh powerful gift you can give to God is not your gifts, but your yes. Mm. And the thing is that when we're willing to say yes to the things that will never make sense to us, um, he goes before us. He has already gone before us. And most of the time when it doesn't make sense, that's because he has brought them, brought those circumstances together. And so for me, my journey has meant is being although I'm not always being content with the space that I've been given. Um, I may not have been hundred percent content. It may have just been 30% content, but trusting God, trusting that he sees and he knows he created me. He created me to be who I am. Um, there was a whole time when I, when I wanted to be teaching in certain spaces for a decade and wasn't, and I knew that I had this gift and I just thought, well, God is just, he's put me on the sidelines for now. And he was asking me to do a lot of other things at the time looking back, but I didn't recognize it then. And of course hindsight is such a gift, but here's (laughs) the truth is, (laughs) is that, um, when we are faithful in those little things with what we have been given as scripture says, then, um, we can see more and always keeping that big picture of, of truth. And so the more I spent time at, IBC working with women, the more I saw women who just really were suffering at the hands of tradition and expectations and the way it's supposed to be. And my passion just grew and grew to help women know that they are seen and loved for who God created them to be and has called them to be. And not what anyone else believes. It doesn't even matter what I think of them. It matters what the Lord says about them. And so now for the last six months, that has been my passion. And, um, it would, it, it would take another three days to really explain all <laughs> of the, the nuances, because have you seen that line, it's a picture of a line from A to B and then, and that's like what we expect. And then there's the cursive of life and all the scribbles going through it. And that's actual fact. And so that has been my life, but the theme of pursuing truth is just trusting Trusting that God knows, trusting that he is truth and we can wait on him and we can depend on him. And there are going to be days that are awful. And there are going to be days that you feel overlooked, unknown, unseen. But the fact is, even just looking back at the way God, like in Matthew, when he listed out the um, the generations and so-and-so beget so-and-so, like their name is in scripture just because they were part of the generations. And that's enough and it doesn't feel like enough, but it is. And so to listeners, I would say like, trust where you are and, and your, your gift to the Lord, your obedience to him, the most valuable thing is your yes. And he will, um, he will redeem and he will make perfect that. Yes. If we just surrender that to him, that's kind of where, how I got here.
0: I love it. It. <laughs> I love it. I yes. love it because not only was he preparing you for this place, but I think he was preparing this place for you and just this time and and the women that would be part of the ministry, the ones that you'll be working alongside and the ones that you'll be uh, bringing in and training. Um I just see all the things coming together and it's just such an exciting mm-hmm. place to be. So, hang on ladies cuz under Amy's leadership it's going to be fun and there will be glitter. <laughs> yes unless you don't like glitter at which point there's also farm animals and basketball and other things that Amy also likes so um hey I have a picture of a cow hanging my in my office so it's equal opportunity absolutely absolutely because at the outset did we not say she is all things to all people and not in a (laughs) people-pleasy you know cheesy sort of way so offer an invitation to women who are in the Dallas area to come join you for this amazing adventure
1: (laughs) that would be exciting we are as a women's ministry studying first and second thessalonians this semester and it's written by a dallas author um her name is kelsey Hensy. she's the editor of fathom magazine and this study is phenomenal um i'm a um we launched january 18th we meet tuesday mornings and tuesday evenings it's the same so you just choose whichever one works for you but this is um a study that is teaching us not just about what paul is saying to the thessalonians but also a lot of really good how to study the bible and so if you are intimidated by studying the bible this is the study for you if you are a scholar of scripture this is a study for you um we are very passionate about studying god's word in community because um even though we are given the same Holy Spirit that helped write these scriptures, we are not to do this in a vacuum. We rub up against one another and learn from one another because all the perspectives give us a better accuracy of God's character and his kingdom. So we do this study together in community. We study the word. We're going to go verse by verse through First and Second Thessalonians. We would love to have you. And you can check it out at
0: irvingbible.org slash women. Very good. And for women that are not in the area, what would you say to them about getting in community and joining a Bible study? (laughs) You know, no church is perfect.
1: So find a group, find a study, find just a group of women who want to go deep into the word. And once you find a group of women who want to study God's word together That's the foundation for community. um, The best communities i found are intergenerational of all different ages, of all different backgrounds. And so, again, with the yes, just say yes. If um, some good global groups, um, Bible Study Fellowship is phenomenal. If you um, check out BSF, a lot of cities have community Bible study. And so check out both of those. Those are great studies. Um, And hey, IBC has a daily every weekday morning on Facebook Live at 830. We're actually going through the entire New Testament this year. And so that group on Facebook Live has turned into a little community. And during the teaching, during the devotional, people are commenting and praying for one another, voicing prayer requests, saying, hello, where have you been? We missed you. My husband had surgery. So that is a great community. If you don't have a place anywhere else, check out. Um, Irving Bible
0: Church on Facebook each weekday. And Amy, if people want to continue this conversation with you, how can they find you?
1: I would love to continue this conversation um, and connect. They can email me at amyoperly at gmail.com. Operly is a Dutch name. It is, I always have to say Operly with an A, A A-U-P-P. And you can remember it because my husband does not like to say (laughs) P-P. Of course, um, so not. <laughs> two P's, um, and Amy, just the old school 1979 way AMY. So Amy Opperly, A U P P E R L E E at gmail.com would love to connect.
0: So good. So thank you, Amy, for a wonderful conversation today. It has been so much fun. Listeners, uh, you can find information about Amy, the links that she has referenced all in our show notes today. And I hope that you will check those out. Thanks again. And we'll see you next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise, and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.